places together. Here we believe that our lives are connected to one another and rooted in God's inclusive and expansive love for diverse creation. I'm Colleen Montgomery, pastor of All Places Together and podcast host. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. It's the season of creation. Let's talk about land. second week of the season of creation here at All Places Together, and it is Land Week. For this week's conversation, I was joined by a dear friend and a seminary classmate who grew up in a farming family. To be honest, I always kind of teased him a little bit about being a farmer, but I'm so thankful for the wisdom and the insights that he shares in today's conversation. I hope that our conversation draws you into a deeper reflection on the land that is near and dear to you. I am so excited to welcome Pastor Ben Siebert to All Places Together. Ben uses pronouns like he and him. Ben is the pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Artsville, uh, Pennsylvania, which is just outside Gettysburg. Ben grew up in Ohio. He attended Bluffton College for undergrad and then went to the Lutheran Theological Seminary at Philadelphia for seminary for his master's in divinity. Ben is married to Kristen, who is a deacon and an incredible person. And together they have one kiddo who I'm a very big fan of. And his hobbies include gardening, fixing things, walking, falling down rabbit holes of exploring the world around him. Welcome to All Places Together, Ben. I'm so happy you're here. Colleen, thank you so much. I am really excited about this too. So today is our land episode. And I invited you to be on the episode today because you grew up in a family that was really connected to the land. Um, So you grew up in a farming family. Can you share with us the type of farming that your family did and continues to do? Yeah, happy to. I grew up on a small family farm in Ohio. That farm uh, primarily did, uh, uh, grew corn and soybeans, commodity corn and soybeans that we sold to a local grain elevator. And that's how we made that money. Uh, there was a time when we also raised steer, uh, so uh, beef cattle for meat. Uh, but we stopped that when I was, I don't know, in the fourth grade, something like that. It's a small family farm. Uh, at the time that I was growing up, uh, we farmed around 100, uh, uh, north of 100 acres which seems like a lot, but it's really small in the grand scheme of things. Um, many farms around us were similar and many were bigger, um, but uh, our experience was uh, just about there. Yeah. So do you know, like off the top of your head, like how big, like a big farm is, like a big corporate farm would be to give people that perspective? 
Yeah, so that really depends on what you're growing. And so a really big uh, fruit growing farm is going to be different in acreage to a really big soybean farm to a really big tobacco farm. to, And so it really is hard to tell. Um, nowadays, uh, it also depends on where you are um, inside. And, you know, all this is done inside the context of the U.S. And so the farms across the world might change in size based on what they're able to do. Uh, if you're full-time farming um, and you have the ability and privilege to own a lot of land, then your your farm could look north of, uh, you know, into the thousands of acres that you're wow. caring for and tending to. Um, and uh, if you're bringing on help and you're not doing that alone, then it it can grow very, very large. Um, and so there's corporations that own thousands of acres of land and farm that. There's families that can own hundreds of acres of land if, and sometimes thousands and, and farm that. And and it all gets tied into business and it all gets tied into, you know, ownership and all that kind of good stuff, which we're going to break into. But uh, but as far as a farm, I think you could also ask the question, how much land can you cover can one person cover and still grow inside the course of a growing season? And that has more to do with your implements and your tools and your tractors and your uh, cultivators and all kinds of stuff like that. So did I go far enough down the rabbit hole yet? <laughs> yeah, no, this is yeah. perfect. Like I think um, I I'm not someone who knows a lot about farming. I'm not sure where all of our listeners are at, but I think even in what you have shared there, like there are so many different ways to connect to the land and it all looks different and like with what you're growing. So there's layers and layers and layers of this that we're just going to kind of be able to scratch the surface of today. Yeah. So Colleen, I promised uh, when we were setting up for this, I was going to drop in a surprise question for you to answer at the beginning of this. You did. Um, I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, being the person that I am, I prepared a lot for, for this time together. I prepared a lot for this conversation. And as I thought about land and considered land, uh, I came to one burning question, which is, what do you mean about land? When you use that word, like, what are you thinking of? What are you considering? Yeah. That's a really great question. I think there's so much nuance in this that I see. And and so often I just think of the ministry of all places together is just like celebrating all of the nuances of God's creation um, in people and this month, especially um, in the earth itself. And so, I mean, there's just so many types of land like today, I'm excited to talk about farmland with you, but mountains are land and, and deserts are land and all the different types of forests are land. And I guess I'm stuck here thinking if the the ground on the bottom of the ocean floor is land or not, like maybe it could be. Um, yeah. So yeah. Let's, let's go this way. I I swam in this question for a while, and then I, I went down two different paths. Uh, one was how to define what we're talking about, and the other was what right or not right, what expertise do I have 
to talk about these things. And I'm not a farmer. I'm a pastor. And I am not a landowner. And I am not uh, one that works inside the, uh, the forms and structures of defining land ownership. I'm not in the government in any way. I'm not uh, in any way a part of of land in those fashions. And so my experience with land is strictly experience. It's, it's just being a human being that interacts with land uh, of all kinds, of all shapes. And so how I want to define land for our time together is what have we physically experienced and mm. thought about with the land? And we can save, I, I think there's justice work to be done with laws. And I think there's justice work to be done with def- definitions and boundaries and everything else. But I think in order to do good work around that, we first have to explore our own experience with the land. And so that's, that's really where I'm coming from. That's beautiful. I have to admit, I didn't think about um, some of those intersections when I invited to you to today's conversation. So I really appreciate the thought that you put into preparing that and laying that out there for today. And um, as you were saying that, I was thinking too, like in particular, when it comes to owning the land, that it's important to say that in the United States that it's stolen land that um, Mm -hmm. I am a white person and Ben is as well. And so our families were not the first ones um, to live here um, on the land and in the areas that we call home, that there are many native native communities and native families that tended this land um, for generations and seeking justice for them is really important. I was thinking about that as we considered land and um and uh i've done two things uh in in reflecting on that i pulled up google maps of the place where i grew up um because it's kind of the the and i'm looking at it as we talk because it really is a grounding experience for me to see and to visualize um land from that perspective um Mm. and as i as i reflect on that um this land is land that i grew up in and it's land that my dad grew up in and it's land that his dad grew up in and it's land that you know uh, a family of mine has been a part of for north of a hundred years um and so it's it's really really neat to be a part of that and another layer on top of that as we talked about indigenous uh people that were originally part of the land i I remember growing up uh, in fourth grade in Ohio, you do something called Ohio history and you learn how many counties are in the state 88 and you learn about uh, the the history from a certain perspective, but you learn about uh, indigenous people that were here before um, what we see around us today. And in the land that I was a part of, uh, as you were walking through the field, every once in a while you would buy the arrowhead. Mm. And I remember very clearly thinking there was a time before a farm was here and there was a time before land was cleared out like this. And there were, maybe there were a lot of trees and maybe there were uh, other people living in different ways. And maybe instead of a house being where a house was, it was uh, nothing um, or 
something or anything else. Um, and so even with the land, it's always felt like a, a moment of stewardship and a temporary one uh, and one that will change and go with the seasons of life. That's so powerful. I mean, as you share, you know, the history of your family and a hundred years can feel like a really long time. Um, It can be multiple generations depending on when in history you're looking at. But then as we think about the scope of humanity and the earth, like a hundred years isn't always that long when we're thinking about that amount of time and all of the generations that have been. So I just love that the centering and the honoring of this land that has been so important to generations of your family and to your family's livelihood, knowing that there are generations of other people before you who perhaps, yeah, passed through or made that place home too. I'm acutely aware when, when, when I think about land, uh, the way that I think my experience of living and growing and playing and working on land that we owned uh, is not always familiar to folks and probably not even the norm for a lot of folks. Um, and I, I think, I, how do I say this? I think land uh, has a different, for me, it has a different experience when I'm not the owner of it. Um, And when I don't feel um, that I'm encroaching on somebody else's land or I'm on somebody else's land, a public park feels different and, Mm. uh, and visiting a neighbor feels different. And uh, there are moments when I feel at home in those places. uh, But, but um, the, the experience of being on land that many would agree is, quote unquote, yours, um, feels different. Um, and, and, and I think my worldview of land was hugely affected by the experience of at one time being on land that was considered mine, or at least my parents. Yeah. And, and I I think there is a unsettled difference that I have inside myself uh, whenever I'm somewhere that that I feel like could be pulled out from under me, or I feel like I could be restricted, mm. or I feel like could be changed in a moment's notice. Um, it's it's hard to settle when the land that you're standing on you might be moved from uh, immediately. I do. I do. So I wonder, are there particular ways um, within that, like more if there's like other particular stories or instances that you feel like growing up in a in a farming family shaped your understanding of people's relationship to the land? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's go with some playful stories. Uh, I remember the, the first time that I moved very far away from the the farm was moving to philadelphia to seminary um i went to college but it was like an hour away so you can hardly count that right it's (laughs) moving to to philadelphia um was an entirely different experience an entirely different place 
And when I would talk with the people around me, with Colleen and with other folks, uh, I would get the strong sense of, uh, you know, being different uh, and not in a bad way, but uh, looking at the world in, in kind of a different way and thinking about different things. Um, my friends used to really love playing a game when they were driving of calling me and describing farm elements they saw on the field and seeing if I can guess what they were uh, by the description. I don't know that um, I was ever the one that called you, but I know I was in the no, car you when you received that call at least once and you got it right. You knew it. You nailed it. Yeah. And, and, and so I, it, in fun ways, uh, I could identify uh, somehow that my experience was a little bit different um, than folks that had lived and grown in um, in cities or in towns or in uh, a plot of land that had a house and maybe a yard um, or in an apartment or in uh, uh, had moved from place to place many different times. Um, I, I, I felt that that was a little bit different. It wasn't different in a bad way. And all of us had experience of land in some ways. We found ways of connecting to land. Um, some people found a connection to uh, an experience with land by being on a playing field, being uh, in soccer or in field hockey or in uh, cross country or in anything else. And, and they would talk about, you know, memories of hitting the ground hard or like running fast or smelling the sweet air or anything else like that. It was really, it was really cool to be able to connect like, oh yeah, that's, that's, you know, what I'm talking about. And other word and other folks would find experience of land uh going to camp and being a counselor and and uh <laughs> and doing all kinds of different things outdoors you know for an entire summer for an entire year and yeah yeah, yeah I mean, that's I was the one type of those. Of thing talking about too. yeah <laughs> exactly and so even though my uh my entering into a relationship with land was different than a lot of folks we all found ourselves seeking out land somehow. Yeah. Um, uh, the only difference that I felt was mine was right outside the back door. And mm -hmm. it, and, and it felt deeply, deeply connected. Like it wasn't a separate season of my life and it wasn't a separate uh, moment of the day, but it was something that, you know, was with you when you got up in the morning was there the whole day long and it's how you fell asleep at night. And it was this beautiful thing that carried you day after day after day. And I really, really love that experience. My earliest memories of falling asleep are listening to my dad uh, drive a tractor and a corn picker behind it back and forth in the field. Mm. And I remember falling asleep to that moment. And my earliest memories of, you know, being outside or in the backyard and, you know, playing and yeah, it's just, I, I've never, it wasn't until I was older that I felt like a daily experience of life could somehow be separated from land or feel separated from land. It's just so immersive what you're describing and, and laying out that comparison of, you have to go of going to the practice field if you're going to do a sport or you're going to go on a hike or go to the beach. Um, like I grew up on Lake Erie. And so like that's a really big uh, touchstone for me when I think about my childhood. But you couldn't I didn't live on the lake like 
we want we have beachfront property or anything. It's a few miles. Um, so it was more of like an orienting thing for me growing up. Like you always knew where North was because that's where the lake was. Um, or like how yeah. you're gonna go go to camp, but you're talking about you know a type of rhythm and a type of life where you're so connected to yeah to that particular area, and it's just I, yeah I think immersive. Is the, it's just yeah. the word that keeps coming back. Man, I'm so glad you found that word. I used about a billion of them, but like immersive is exactly <laughs> We're it. in this together. Mm-hmm. So are there particular ways that growing up in a farming family um, impacted your faith, either when you were a child or now as an adult? Oh, definitely. When I read scripture, I think about the land that people were on. Uh, and and what it looked like and what they felt in that moment, but then how they felt if they ever came back to that place mm. and how they felt seeing it again. You know, every every Christmas we get to hear from Luke 2, and uh, I think it's I think it's verse 8, I don't know, but it, it's something like uh, in that same region, there were shepherds leaving in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And they lived there. And that's where they lived. And, and it wasn't necessarily their fields, you know, they probably worked for somebody, but, um, but they lived there. And so I always feel that the angels came to their home and mm. maybe it wasn't where they wanted to be, but it's where they were most often. And, and the angels showed up there and they announced great news and, and then they left that familiar land and they went into town but they came back to that familiar land to live out what that meant for them and when i preach i I preach about you know angels and good news and all that kind of good stuff but when i think about it and when it rings most full in my heart i think about what the fields might look like and and every time they came back i wonder if they were hoping that the angel showed up again or if they they were hoping that like something else might happen or if they ever talked to to each other about it after that night or anything like that. Yeah. Or was once enough. <laughs> was it terrifying? Yeah. 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 Land holds memories. No, I think it does. And when I, I, I think land holds memories and helps us re-embody certain things. I think there's this yearning throughout scripture to be in a promised land. And there's this terrible pain when the, when the people of God are in exile and when when Jesus comes, some of them wonder if he's going to reestablish Israel. And even in Acts chapter 2, right before he ascends, uh, the disciples are like, are you going to reestablish Israel now? Like it's and not too late. Deep, <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't know if there's anything else you want to check off, Jesus, or like another box. Like there's but, this one big thing we were super hoping for. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. And I think land can remind us over and over again of some of our deepest joys, but sometimes it can remind us of some of our biggest pains and, and it can remind us of things that we long for that don't feel right or just aren't ringing the right way. And I think for so many land can be tied up in really complex ways and complex emotions. And whenever I feel like I'm thinking of faith and when I'm, uh, whenever I'm visiting with people, I want to visit people face-to-face and it's not necessarily because i don't think that really good visits can be done in a different way but it's because 
of the way that I view the world and the way that I experience the world, I want to be in the place where their memories are. And I want to be in the place where they're talking about mm-hmm. um, so that I can sit with them and I can be with them. I can pray with them. And, and I, I don't know how to do that differently. Others can and do, and I'm jealous of it. <laughs> but, but for me, I think uh, a big part of pastoral care and a big part of living life with people in a faithful way is being on each other's land and being a part of the memories that are held there. Yes, that as you're saying all of this, it's bringing back a lot of memories from the congregation that I served just previous um, to all places together. And it was the most rural place I've ever lived. Um, and I learned, I, you gave me a pretty good base about farming in seminary, truth be told. Um, but I had a lot more to learn. I was definitely like the city girl. Um, coming and but but to hear their stories and there's a few there's a few porches in particular um as you were sharing that were coming to mind and looking at it was a lot of um cow steer i don't different ones had different (laughs) some of them were dairy farms and some of them were steer and there's Mm -hmm. another i can't remember which it was um, but sitting on, they all smell the same. <laughs> they do <laughs> well, and the, and they weren't all right there. Um, though, okay, this is yeah. a this is a rabbit hole right here. But this is a pretty great story. Um, I was I was new. I was new in town, and I was going to go visit someone out on their steer farm. And she told me my GPS wasn't going to work, and I was going to lose cell signal for a while, and that the driveway was real long. But like I had good directions. We looked it over. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's going to be fine. And I get there like and I and I make the turn. I know it's the right turn. And you have to drive through the field to get up Mm. to the house. And it is one of those where (laughs) the cows can't walk on the cement that has like little divots in it. Valleys. I don't know what that's called. Oh. There's a, a ditch. I don't know. I know. It's like there's like a particular type of cement that you pour it in a certain way so that the cows can't walk over it, but you can like leave the fence open. So you can like drive through it. Oh. And so. um. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't remember what it's called. I don't even know if I ever knew what it's called. But anyhow, I like get stuck because there's these cows and I don't know how to get them to move. And I don't have cell phone service. And I like inch and I don't know if I beep at them. Are they going to get angry? So I was like 20 minutes late, even though I'd arrived like several minutes early. But I was like, I don't know what to do about this. Um, but she was so Did they calm. see you from the house? No, it was too far. It was like still up another curve. <laughs> and so, um, But she was so kind and so gracious and taught me what to do the next time. Um, but seeing those stories, like seeing those places and hearing those stories was all re- it was always uh, such a holy moment. Um, and yeah. it was really, it was really special. When people live out their lives and think about what God means for them and for the world, that's what they're looking at. And that's what the land is. And, and when God's teaching them about and proving for them about blessing for them and for all people with the rain that comes down, and the earth that gets nourished and the food that's on their table, that's what they're looking at. That's what they're thinking about. And that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. 
And a lot of us are pretty disconnected from that. I, I cannot, I can barely grow a tomato plant. Um, my husband takes care of all of the plants that are in our house and they are thriving. Actually, he's great at that. And so for, for many of us, there is a really big disconnect between the land and the food and our refrigerators. Yeah. There is. And, and I, I want to recognize that people can have huge, healthy experiences and lifelong experiences of God without feeling super connected to the land. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel like being connected to the land around us or recognizing any connection or distance we might have to the land can help us understand not only scripture better, but can help us understand how we might be processing God's presence uh, a little bit better too. Um, everybody has a connection to land. Um, even if you never set foot on the grass, um, you still have a connection to land. You still have a connection to food that comes uh, from, it grew somewhere, you know, yeah. and you still have a, a connection to um, the place that you lay your head at night, wherever that might be. And you have a connection to, um, I don't know, the way that land has been shaped and formed and moved so that we have a way of living with it and in it. I so appreciate that nuance that you shared because often in time, sometimes when we hear about people's profound spiritual experiences, or maybe this is just me, I sometimes can get a little bit insecure. Like if that's not the experience that I have had, um, I wonder sometimes, does that make my experiences less valid or less powerful? Or is God with me in the same way? And and as I grow older and hear more stories of people who have different experiences than me and, and dig even deeper with friends who I've known a long time to hear other layers to their story I get more comfortable in my own skin and am able to kind of just take in the beauty that is God and that is God's creation and that I can sit and marvel with you and wonder with you about that experience that you have. And so I hope that even if you are never, you know, never been a part of a farming community that you've been able to understand this a little bit deeper through through what Ben has shared with us today. Yeah, I shared at the beginning the way that I don't live on land that is mine anymore. I, I live in a parsonage that's a part of the church, and so the church owns it. And I don't own any land, and I even don't know what to think about ownership of land, all that kind of good stuff as theology grows um, inside me. But I, I do think that for a while, when I have been not living uh, on land that is considered mine, for a while, I questioned whether or not I could talk about land this way, whether or not these were authentic things to feel because I was living a different thing. I, was, uh, I wasn't living on land that I farmed or helped farm. I wasn't living on land that I considered mine. I wasn't living on something that was right outside my back door. Um, I... I would marvel at the the fruit growers and fruit uh, farm workers uh, in the field and, and 
be jealous of mm. their experience. And I would, and I would uh, marvel at people that mowed their grass and be jealous. And, and I would wonder if I had lost my ability or right, or if it was authentic for me to, to speak in these ways. And one day I, instead of walking on the sidewalk to the, like, I don't know, 25 yard walk it is from the parsonage to the church instead of walking on the sidewalk i walked on the grass Mm. and it's a shortcut and i hadn't been doing it because i didn't want to like wear a path in the grass but when i did walk on the grass i felt better and i felt like land doesn't have to be mine for me to have a connection to it and land doesn't have to be owned for me to see beautiful things in it and for me to own those experiences and for me to feel and rightly talk about and express and and have a part of my life experiences with that land and so i i do think the biggest thing that i've learned since not being on land that's mine is that land is for all of us it's not for a specific person or it's not for a few land is for all of us land's blessings are for all of us the food is for all of us. It's all for all of us. I think the way that we steward and the way we set up boundaries and the way that we set up parks and the way we set up access to this land needs to have that in mind. Definitely. I mean, on all of those levels of of how we have food and access to recreational places and just places to experience beauty in the world and... I can just hear the depth of emotion in that story for you. And I'm glad that you found some peace in it because I, I can tell that that was a, that was a hard thing to have to work through. I wonder if there are other particular stories in the Bible that are connected to land that are really meaningful or formational to you. Yeah, there's a couple. Um, one that comes to mind is Psalm 46. Um, most folks know it as the psalm that says, be still and know that I am God. Yes, I do. That's, yeah, that's that's the one that I, I know it as too. Um, but there's a, a, a verse in the middle of that psalm that's always stood out to me. Um, or I think it's verse four. I don't know. But um, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And it feels different than the rest of the psalm because... Mm. The rest of the psalm is about like wars and nations and, and mountains of you know collapsing or something about tumult. I don't know, but there's, there's all yeah, it's like not happy psalm. things. Like God's no. peace in the midst of that is like what we're trying to hold on to amidst all yeah. the other chaos of life. And the only other part, I mean, God is present, and that's meant to bring us peace. But the only other part of that psalm that kind of leads us into a a happier moment or at least uh, a better moment um, is the river. There's a river mm-hmm. whose streams make glad the city of God. And we don't talk about the river and we, we don't know anything else about the river, but I can immediately imagine um, being in tumult and, and or, or unrest or anything else. And there are many days I don't have to imagine it. It just is. But what you be able to sit by a river and to listen to water flow and to listen to life 
gurgle and creak and croak and everything else around it and 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 to know that there's life there and i don't know there's uh, that that's always attracted me i've never known what to say about it but it's always been there um the other is is a similar uh a similar scene in revelation um i think it's chapter 22 uh, but the beginning of that uh, whatever chapter it is the beginning of it uh describes the city of god and there's another river mm-hmm. that flows from the it flows from the throne and there's fruit uh i think there's 12 types there of fruit 12. and they bear yeah and the the leaves are for the healing of the nations and and just as we try to imagine and I, or have visions of or anything else however we want to interpret uh, interpret interpret apocalyptic literature um we go back to land for blessing and we go back to land for healing and we go back to land for for curing the ills of our world. And I I do think that there's something inherently there. Yeah. And I think the fullness of, of the 12 fruits on that tree that, you know, to represent, you know, different types of people and, and different types of food and the diversity of God's creation in that, and that, yeah, through that, we are going to be healed and brought into new life. And Whenever we're talking about land, this isn't even something we've super explored um, and we're coming to the end of our time together, but that we see resurrection in land all of the time, that the death in the new life, when you live in a place that has four seasons, however short or long they may be, that you see Easter play out every single year as things die and come back to life again. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess even if you're Absolutely. in places that don't have four seasons, you're still seeing plants die and grow and seeds and all of that. So it's just a different type of Easter. Oh, absolutely. So our last kind of few moments here, I'm curious if there's things about caring for the land or tending the land that you wish everyone knew. I think I said it before, but I wish more people believed that the land was for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And I wished that more people knew that the land was for them. Mm. Uh, I do think that many of us, um, for understood reasons, for understandable reasons, um, don't venture out into land if we, if we don't have that invitation and we don't necessarily feel comfortable in land, uh, or out, uh, <laughs> you know, out beyond pavement or out beyond, uh, floors or out beyond, the, the places that we are already told we can go. But I do think that there's something good waiting for us um, in the land. There's something rejuvenating in the land. I think how we care for the land matters because it's for everybody. I think, and, and just like we talked about at the beginning with uh, understanding that our time of keeping land is temporary, this land will be somebody else's one day if you own it or if you don't. And so how we keep it, how we care for it needs to consider not just ourselves and not just this moment in time, but how it might continue to bless the ones around us now and the ones that around us that come after us and everybody. And so I really do think that caring for land is a a stewarding um, moment in time. I agree. And I just, I so appreciate those two things of land is for everyone and that land is also for each 
of you who is listening wherever, whoever, and however you are. And I hope that in some way this week, you can get out and connect with the land in a meaningful way that is safe for you, wherever that is that you call home. Well, thank you so much for joining us here at All Places Together, Ben. It has been a joy, as always, to hear about your farming stories from growing up. And just thank you so much for sharing your faith and your experience with us today. Thank you so much, Colleen. Prayer for Land. God, our Creator, we celebrate your vibrant presence among us and our kin in creation, especially in the soil, the fields, and the land. Help us to empathize with your creatures who are suffering. Lift our spirits to rejoice with the land, the flowers of the field, and all of the creatures of the countryside. In the name of Christ, who reconciles and renews all things in creation. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. We hope you experienced God's love for you and the world in today's episode. If you've got a pet, I definitely want to bless it. All Places Together is having an online pet blessing this year, and all you've got to do to participate is send an email or a direct message on social media with your pet's name and photo. So if you want to do the email route, that's allplacestogether at gmail.com, A-L-L-P-L-A-C-E-S-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R at gmail.com. And then on Instagram and Facebook, we're at allplacestogether, spelled the same way. So please send in your pet's info by September 25th, and the pet blessing will happen that first full week of October. There's also a link on our social media pages to sign up for our September Zoom communion on Monday, September 18th. If you've signed up or joined us before, you are already on the list. And if you haven't, I hope that you'll consider joining us. This month's service will be all season of creation themed. And if you're not sure about taking communion, that is just fine. You can just be with us and pray and see what it's all about. As always, thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Being church together is so important. Thank you as well to all of the individuals who give financially to empower the ongoing work of All Places Together. If you would like to make a financial gift, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give Now. Click that button and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. 
You can set up one-time gifts or recurring donations of any amount through that page. Until next time, remember that God is with you and God loves you, wherever, whoever, and however you are.